0: The Education Apple, Episode 4, recorded on October 11th, 2012. (music) Welcome to The Education Apple. This is the show that discusses Apple technology in the classroom, as well as how Apple technology impacts our daily lives. I'm Bill Brazil. Welcome to our show tonight and I'm joined by Barrett Mossbacker, who's the superintendent of Briarwood Christian School. How you doing tonight, Barrett?
1: Bill, I'm doing great. It's good to be with you again on the podcast.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you you joined us tonight. Our other partner Tim Towns is out of town and um doing some really important work tonight, I think. So he is not going to be able to join us tonight, but hopefully he'll be back with us uh next Next week, our next show. So um, it'll just be Barrett and myself tonight. So got a number of things to talk about. A lot of things have been going on uh, in the news around uh, Apple technology, and uh, just kind of a a review of the last week or two. Um, the iPhone 5, of course, came out several weeks ago, and um, from what I hear. Uh, and a lot of different uh, places that the supplies are pretty limited. I've got a good friend who uh, has been looking to secure his own new iPhone, and it's apparently pretty hard to get. He was telling me today that uh, he has checked in with the Apple Store and the AT&T Store um, the last few days, and they pretty much can't tell him when they're going to get another shipment in other than it may be a week or two. So, um He's he's kind of frustrated by that, and uh, I don't blame him. Um, I told my story last time about you know walking in the day after it came out, and uh, I guess hitting it at the right time at the Apple store, and uh, you know picking one up right away. So uh, that was actually the AT&T store. So um, uh, you're you're still trying to figure out how you can finagle your own. haven't, aren't you, Barrett? Uh,
1: I am. I actually have spoken to my ATT account reps, uh, handles our, our our school account, and uh, figured out uh, that we're eligible for uh, quite a few upgrades, free upgrades, and uh, or early upgrades, and so I'm just trying to decide uh, when to pull the trigger for one or two of the phones.
0: Yeah, yeah, that'll be good to be able to, to get at that route. And uh, I think you can, you know, order them or, or uh, go through the, the online channels, but it's still two three weeks you know before uh at least that's what they're saying before you would get it and, you know sometimes they might show up quicker than that but um all that to say is uh, uh demand seems to be high and the supply is not quite keeping up with the demand so um that's good good for apple but not good for everybody mm-hmm. else who who wants to get their hands on one i don't have one yet so but hopefully that'll start leveling out pretty soon and uh the supply will be keeping up with the demand the uh another thing that was um of note uh last week or so was uh tim cook coming out with a um uh, apology on the the map application issues and uh you know that doesn't happen very often i think he posted or there was a a letter an open letter posted on the website that had the uh the apology from him about uh all the issues that have been uh, noted and uh, a lot of people talking about that but you know it's really not not all that unprecedented for Apple to have issues and and you know what some people might consider flops I mean they've had you know hit a lot of home runs but at the same time when you're when you're batting you're going to strike out a few times and so you know they've had things like the things that come to my mind are are ping that uh you know social Uh, media piece of uh, the iTunes they've just turned that off Uh, that apparently didn't didn't really fly like they wanted it to and then MobileMe wasn't uh, what uh, it was all cracked up to be and that was turned off recently and uh, a couple other things I can think of are the the Final Cut Pro X um, software that (laughs) that you know came out with a lot of resistance and there's still a lot of people i guess a lot of the the pro editors that really hadn't uh taken a liking to that but um and then some even think siri is you know a little bit of a failure but that's still uh you know recognized or i guess they still talk about that as being a a beta product is that is that right? I haven't seen anything to the contrary yeah. on that. Yeah, know. I think that's still viewed
1: as beta, and that's the one product which makes a lot of sense to be in beta in my view because it's a form of artificial intelligence. So there's a sense in which not only are on the all the technology, but it's quote-unquote learning yeah. uh, as the system develops. And so that by almost by definition is going to be an evolving product. It would be beta for a while I would I would suspect.
0: Yeah, I mean you could make an argument that it'll always be in beta, but um can uh Barrett can you think of any others that um were disappointments or didn't really work uh you know, work out the way Apple probably wanted it. That's a, a good handful of of uh products, and I'm sure there's others. I really can't think of a whole lot off the top well, of my head. Well,
1: I can't either, but I'm I'm a little newer to the Mac platform than you are, Bill, but uh, one only has to be reading the news regarding Google and the number of, uh, you know, uh, flops that they have had, and uh, they're doing a lot of spring cleaning and closing a lot of products, and then, of course, everyone remembers Microsoft's Vista, and they've had their own issues, so it's just uh, part of the process. If you're going to be an innovator, uh, you're going to stumble on a, on occasion, and that's okay. As long as you continue to basically produce excellent products and keep innovating, uh, that's just par for the course.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of, I guess, human nature that we tend to focus on the the uh, negatives and the, the flops and things that don't work out as opposed to um, really concentrating on, on the good things and the positives. So, you know, uh, I've seen it referred a few places as, Apocalyptic, you know (laughs) that's a hard word to say. The 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 (laughs) yeah, yeah, something like that. But you know, uh, just kind of playing on apocalyptic and um, how uh, you know that seems to be just a devastating thing. But there have been a few surveys done, and when you really look closely at the surveys, um, most people really don't care. (laughs) I mean, you know uh 74 percent of one survey i saw said that you know maps worked fine for them and that wasn't you know a, a problem and then there was uh if you added in those that said it was annoying but not really a deal breaker that got it up to 91 92 percent so they're really you know it just kind of boils down to a handful less than 10 percent of the people that it really apparently has impacted um Significantly, so again it's it's one of those things that gets a lot of press, but uh you know, given a little bit of time, I think, and they've already done a lot to start improving and getting all their data points uh cleaned up, so I don't think it'll be that long before this whole thing will blow over, and um you know it'll it will be working as most people need it to, so um
1: and I, I, yeah, I think Bill. Most observers in time, if if Apple continues to develop maps like they have most things, they'll view it as a as an extremely smart strategic move in the long term for for uh, Apple to have taken that move. So, but I think the other thing with reference to Apple products in particular, I do think that the those who buy Apple products tend to be very very loyal fans uh, of the product and the company. The company has a pretty good record of producing outstanding products. And so I think the overall expectations are higher. So anytime Apple puts out something that doesn't meet those expectations, perhaps somewhat unreasonable, perhaps uh, they're going to complain more. But on the other hand, I uh, would like to have Apple and all of the all the fans to continue putting pressure uh, to maintain those those standards of excellence, so there's no slippage.
0: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, I, I know that you know they have not uh, really included a lot of things that they still plan on uh, adding to the MAPS application because I know they've bought some technology from several of the other MAP uh, uh, products that are out there. One of them I've referred to in the past called um, Waze. And Waze has a very interesting component in it that um, is kind of a social aspect to it that allows Uh, feedback or input from other people on the road to uh, you know identify if there's policemen ahead or if there's uh, accidents or delays or um, you know whatever there's a number of different things that can be uh, identified and collected real time and then um, that will come back to other people that are on those same roads on those same routes and you know show up as as uh, you know helpful information in fact I was traveling uh, this past weekend and um, that helped out a whole lot. I'll I'll mention a little interesting tidbit about that in a minute, but um, I know that uh, I've seen written that uh, Apple has bought some of that technology from Waze and is planning on incorporating that, I think, into their mapping uh, the real-time directions and their uh, routing information, so uh, that'll be uh, good to see as that you know gets integrated and and again adds to the capabilities of that product. Uh, so there's a long way, a lot of improvement that uh, I know that's already on the drawing board for for maps. So, um, uh,
1: Bill, did uh, did they purchase Ways or did they just purchase or license some of the technology? Do you
0: know? I, I think my my recollection is that they uh, have licensed some of the technology. I think specifically that social media aspect of their technology and uh, it works really well i mean it's not comprehensive obviously because it's dependent upon people that are traveling to um, identify issues along the road and you know um, different things that you might uh, come upon as you're driving but um, it's i've been using it for over a year now i guess And, and i don't travel a whole lot but when i do i've noticed definite improvements more people you know the more people that use it the better the information is going to be and um what i was going to mention is when i was traveling i I left town uh, last thursday to travel up to charlottesville virginia where uh, one of my daughters is right now and um you know last i believe it was tuesday or wednesday was the uh first presidential debate and um they uh romney was leaving that debate and going to virginia and i i heard that on the uh you know on the broadcast and all but i didn't really think a whole lot about it but as we were traveling up uh to virginia and we got into um you know it's still just a rural you know uh country area but we got to a little uh, or close to a little town called fishersville virginia and um I noticed that that Waze was trying to reroute me to get me off of the main interstate and take me back to some country roads. And I was just thinking, well, you know, I'm not that familiar with this area. I really don't know if I want to do that. I'm just going to you know, stay on my current path that I'm familiar with. And my daughter had actually called us about that time and said that Romney was going to be in a certain area that evening for a rally and, you know you might want to be aware but i was just thinking there's you know what what are the chances really that i would be in the exact same place that he's going to be that night at that time you know while i'm traveling so i didn't think anything of it really until uh i passed my exit that it was trying to reroute me on and lo and behold about two miles up the traffic just came to a standstill and it was about eight or ten miles on the interstate of just bumper to bumper five mile an hour traffic you know going to this fishersville small country town that romney and ryan were having a big rally at that night so (laughs) if i'd paid a little more attention to uh what was going on and and uh you know paid attention to what ways was trying to tell me i probably could have saved myself about a an hour's worth of delay, so um
1: <laughs> well that's been true of me when my wife's helping me to get someplace. if i'd listen to her more, I probably wouldn't <laughs> run into quite so many problems uh-huh. but i uh, I noticed that uh on the uh the reviews for ways that uh, there were nearly fifteen thousand or some reviews and it has an average of almost a f- no i'm sorry seventy two thousand eight hundred reviews and has almost a
0: four point five to five star average rating on really? the
1: reviews so yeah uh, that that's very strong
0: yeah yeah, it is and um you know, it doesn't it doesn't hurt that it's uh, completely free as well. So, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. If you haven't tried it, uh, that's something you might wanna wanna give a whirl next time you're you're out on the road somewhere. Um, so, um, another thing I noticed in uh, the news just today was an article about uh, Apple gaining in PC market share despite the uh, the total PC market kind of shrinking for the third quarter and uh, it was just an article talking about how the third quarter PC sales were down um, about 8.3 percent over what it was last year and it's kind of interesting because this is generally a um, you know pretty big quarter for those types of sales and you know with with back to school and uh, all that type of thing and there's a number of factors probably involved in that but you know, one thing it could be indicating is that we're kind of in a, a post-PC era and that, um, you know, there's a lot more of a move to to tablet computing with the iPad and other um, tablets that are on the market and, um, you know, other uh, other moves that are being made. But, you know, it, uh, along with all that, Apple is gaining uh, in some of that uh, PC or laptop um, market at the same time so just kind of an interesting time that also kind of tells me barrett that um you know we're heading in the right direction with with the school going with ipads with uh the students and um you know that's just one of those things they're going to be be utilizing for a long time to come
1: uh yes and uh i've uh it- told board members as well as our staff and parents as well that uh, the time for them to learn to use this tool really is now uh, not necessarily waiting until they get to college or on the job uh, Most parents and staff members seem to assume that students already know how to use these tools but that's not always the case they're they're pretty good hackers they're good at using them for entertainment and games uh, maybe uh, doing uh, messaging back and forth but they're not necessarily good productivity users of the software and the devices and so uh, doing it at the school level from junior high to high school really equips students for when they get to the university
0: yeah yeah exactly there's there's a lot of different ways to use these devices and um, most people really only scratch the surface and especially you know students um, you know they're just kind of going for what the latest and greatest is and uh, don't realize the real potential and and the uh you know benefit of using it in a in a productive way so um i think that's going to be a great uh aspect of incorporating uh these devices in the classroom you know in a in an educational manner so uh, i think it's going to be a a huge uh, benefit in a number of ways there so um another thing i thought was kind of fun uh fun to watch and uh, Barrett, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a, uh, when when the iPhone came out, there's a uh, commercial that the Galaxy X3 uh, device came out with, and um, it, you might have seen it. It's, it's basically around a line, a big long line, going into a store, and of course it doesn't say Apple or iPhone, but uh, it's obvious that that's what it is, people waiting in line for the new iPhone 5, and um, just kind of poking fun at um, those people, and you know, talking about how great the Galaxy X3 is, and the the uh, uh, you know the options and the benefits, and how it's supposedly so much better than the iPhone 5. And of course, you know, I don't I don't necessarily believe that. I haven't had a whole lot of experience with it, but uh, I'm not a big Android fan. But uh, I just I thought it was was. Uh, cleverly done and kind of a good poking fun at uh, at, at Apple and the iPhone 5 release. Um, did you get a chance to see that? You- yeah,
1: I, I, yeah, I've seen it and it is funny. But you know, it's, it, it, what's even funnier in some respects is while Samsung is uh, busy spending time uh, developing that uh, that parody against Apple, in the meantime, the news today was that Apple hires the top uh, Samsung chip chip designer, Tim uh, <laughs> Regard. So. Uh, Apple just stole their chief design engineer for chip making. So, uh-huh. yeah. so uh,
0: I guess Amazon's making the commercials and Apple's hiring their engineers. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I think all in all, I'm I, you know it, it'd be hard to uh, to turn me away from from Apple products and just the whole ecosystem. I mean, I think there's better uh, devices and better hardware here and there, but you know the whole environment is what to me is is uh, is so powerful and uh you know makes the devices really uh head and shoulders above the rest but it is interesting to see what what the competition does from time to time and uh you know they can be very clever clever and uh produce some some fun stuff to see so uh i thought i'd point that out um last time we talked some about some of the uh advances in uh uh, with iOS 6 operating system. And one of the things we weren't real sure about, um, we talked about the VIP list in uh, the mail and how you can uh, add uh, special contacts and people you want to be sure you don't miss emails from. And I said I thought there was a way to um, set up custom uh, tones for that VIP list when they come in. And I did a little uh, messing around with that uh between then and now and and sure enough, you can go in and uh set custom ringtones uh or or mail tones for uh mail when it comes in if it if it hits that v i p list and to me that 's been really um useful because uh you know it just kind of separates out. Uh, you know the the garbage or what isn't most urgent uh, compared to what you do want to look at right away without even having to look at the device. I mean you can tell just by the audible sound if it's a a mail uh, uh, item that you want to look at or needs to be looked at right away. So um, if you haven't done that, uh, you might want to um, be sure if you especially if you're using the VIP list in in the the mail application. Uh, make sure you you change or or add a custom mail tone for when mail comes in because um, I've really enjoyed doing that. Have you tried that yet, Barrett?
1: Uh, no, I haven't. One thing you uh, one reason I don't is because I'm not completely consistent with this. But uh, I actually don't have my iPhone uh, to notify me when new email comes in. I try to restrict the time when I do my emails to a certain time in the mornings and later in the afternoon. Uh, because I'm a little bit like a moth to uh, to a flame, I think, that if I get an alert about emails or it dings or notifies me or it's sitting in front of me, I'm incessantly doing emails. And so I've tried to discipline myself a little bit to focus on projects and do emails more in bulk. Mm-hmm. But having said that, that's not what most people necessarily tend to do. And so it might be helpful to our listeners, Bill, if you gave maybe you know 30 seconds or something, essentially where you go into the settings to uh, add those uh, notification sounds. To the vip mailbox
0: yeah barrett i think that's a good idea and i'm going to mark that down to kind of cover next time because um i've got to be sure i've got all my information at my fingertips to um, get that message out there properly but um you're right it, it, it depends on how you use your mail and i know there's different philosophies out there regarding um you know when you when you um work through your mail items and if you do it Two or three times a day, or periodically when they come in, and you know it just kind of depends on how how um, you're set up to really respond to mail and you handle your mail. But uh, especially if there's certain things uh, at certain times that you're waiting for something to come in, um, you know that can be a, a interesting, helpful uh, tip uh, just to to be able to uh, uh, know what's coming in from an audible standpoint, so you don't even have to look at it. So just one of those uh, options that you may or may not be able to uh, to use and uh the last thing i wanted to mention in this little section is um i noticed uh in the paper somewhere uh, that uh you know the vice presidential debate is on tonight and uh one article i saw mentioned that there were at least nine ways online that you could view that uh debate and uh, at some point down the line, I want to take a little closer look at uh, TV and event viewing through, you know, either iPad or online, because I know that's becoming uh, a bigger and bigger um, uh, thing to to kind of keep your eye on, as as some people are deciding, you know, I don't even need a TV, or uh, there's so many other ways to, you know, get the video that i'm interested in watching and um this, this just kind of caught my attention and and made me think that you know we need to uh, do a podcast uh, in the future that kind of focused on that because there's so much good video uh, a lot of it is recorded right now but even uh, still uh, more and more live events are coming online and um you know that's uh another way that the technology is just kind of uh progressing so that uh at some point in time you know we may not even want or need a TV in our house if uh you know most of the video that is important to us is available online so did you did you notice that have you thought much about that I have, actually, and there have been a number of occasions when that's actually come in handy.
1: One of them is, frankly, if uh, I want to see a particular college game and it happens to be blacked out in my particular area, I have found that you can find those games online, uh, which can be helpful, but uh, more often than not the time i've needed is when i'm traveling i don't have access to of course to my television uh, i'm stuck in an airport and maybe there's been a flight delay and i'm wanting to see something in particular and i found some of those online resources to be particularly helpful in situations like that
0: yeah yeah and i was again refer referring back to my uh, weekend trip um, we were out uh shopping i guess it was on saturday and of course i wasn't doing a whole lot of shopping, so I needed to find something to entertain myself with. So uh, Alabama, the the Crimson Tide was on TV that afternoon, and of course I didn't have a TV and most of the the ladies' uh, shopping uh, stores that we were in didn't have any TVs or football games on. So uh, I whipped out the new iPhone 5, and uh, I had uh, downloaded the CBS Sports app A week or two earlier and uh, knew that they did broadcast their you know uh, saturday afternoon games live on uh over the uh the internet so i just uh flipped that on and was able to pick up the uh the game pretty much live right there while the the ladies were shopping so that was a nice way to uh entertain myself the problem was my my uh, battery uh ran out before the game was over so <laughs> i didn't uh the game wasn't really in question i think it was the the actually it was in alabama cuz they were off last weekend but it was uh florida and uh lsu so yeah that um, was
1: a great game too yeah
0: that was that was good and uh so i was able to to keep up with that uh, uh through just watching it there on my my iphone and the the clarity is really amazing and um you know it's it's just one of those ways that uh we can get a lot of that content uh right there in our at our fingertips you know no matter where we are so that was a a nice thing to have available and handy during that time so anyway um well barrett why don't you um tell us a little bit about what's going on at uh briarwood right now and um the latest on the technology integration, I know there's a lot going on and uh, you all have a lot of things that you're you're working on as you're preparing for um, implementing your one-to-one program there. So tell us a little bit about uh, what's currently going on.
1: Well, just briefly, in fact, today we, a lot of it has to do with training right now. And today we had Apple in uh, conducting training all day and they'll be back in uh, all day tomorrow doing training with our faculty and staff. And, of course, that that's an essential part of what we're trying to do because, as I've said in the past, once once we deploy the, the technology out to the students in as much as possible and as quickly as possible, we want the technology to fade into the background and not become any type of encumbrance to teachers. And in order for that to happen, of course, they're going to have to be pretty adept at the technology and uh, learn to learn quickly. And so we're doing extensive amounts of training right now with our faculty well before students receive any kind of devices. And I would say the other thing that we're in particular working on is uh, finalizing and tweaking our security software, filtering and monitoring systems, and exactly how uh, how we're locking down our iPads. We're probably being a bit more particular about this sort of thing, being a Christian school, than perhaps some might be, Uh, but it's been very important to us that if we're going to hand uh, an internet-enabled device to our students and we say it's a critical component of our instruction and the curriculum… Uh, We want to make sure that we also bear our own ethical responsibility to do everything that's feasible to do uh, to make it a safe environment for our students. So we've been testing and tweaking our security software so that when the students leave campus, they have the same level of filtering and and, uh, monitoring and and our control of that device and where they can go as they would if they were on our campus. So we, we think that's going to make parents feel a whole lot better about it. The other thing, though, that Apple just came out with in terms of uh, an upgrade to their program called Configurator, which is one of the ways you push out the apps to to the iPads, is that it now has rating capabilities. So, for example, you can set the Configurator to tell the iPads that the only songs that can be downloaded have to uh, reach a certain rating, uh, and it can't exceed that rating, so maybe it's a PG rating. Uh, You can apply that standard, for example, to videos, and to podcasts. Uh, The advantage of that is twofold. One, we don't have to keep them from uh, having music and videos and podcasts on their iPads because they need those when they're developing projects. It could be an iMovie project. It could be a keynote project that they then convert into a podcast, any number of things. But they're going to want soundtracks and videos available to them, but we don't we can control that in that we don't have to be too concerned the parents don't have to be concerned that the students will download inappropriate songs in terms of the lyrics or inappropriate videos and podcasts. So uh, that's been an additional uh, tweak that we're able to make uh, even before we deploy these iPads. So those are just a few few of the things that we're working on right now.
0: Yeah, are you uh, at liberty to discuss the the filtering, the security software uh, company that you're working with, or is that still – um, probably reps.
1: not quite yet, Bill. I mean, uh, we're pretty certain which it's going to be, but until we've signed a contract and made it public, it might not be the wisest thing to do just yeah. yet. Because until we sign the contract, something might change. Yeah. And uh, so probably wait just at this point. But I will say this: it uh, it is well known and it is considered enterprise level. Uh, it would be equivalent to Cisco and routers in terms of the company that we're using so we're we're actually going to go to a, a corporate level enterprise level security system and not one uh that 's just for schools, so yeah. we think that will provide much more uh robust security for everyone concerned
0: yeah I think that's that's really wise, and um you know it's it's been a little bit difficult to work through that because you're really on the the cutting edge right now there's not a whole lot available. Um, at least at the level that that uh, you know you're interested in and being able to lock it down both at school and at home and wherever the device is but you know that's important because the reality is somebody can be away from school download uh, some inappropriate pictures or other types of content and then bring it right back into school and you know uh, there it is. so it doesn't matter if they could get to it or not from school. they're still able to get it on their device and uh, you know being able to prevent that I think is is really uh, important so. Uh, I think that's well, why I was... you know
1: And you know, Bill, it is. And the other thing, too, is even though that might be a very, very small minority of students who might do that, uh, the difficulty is, of course, is damaging and inappropriate for them just as a person. But secondly, it undermines the credibility and the trust of the program for other parents, uh, faculty members. And so you, you don't want to damage the credibility of what you're trying to do academically because of a few students who choose to make uh, bad choices.
0: Sure. And just like we were talking about earlier, it doesn't have to be uh, a large percentage. It's just, you know, even if it's one or two, that's what gets talked about. And, um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the last thing you want, you know, spreading throughout the, the campus and the school and the parents and everything else. But that's the way it works, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, another thing I was going to mention is the uh, the training. And I know uh that's that's been a key element in preparing for launching this program and i'm working with another school right now uh as well in the area that um is beginning to launch into uh going down the apple path with uh, their devices and right now it's just with teachers but there's really not been any formal training included and and allowed for and you know I'm kind of jumping in to to help just get some of these teachers acclimated and over the the curve of you know how do I use this and this is so much different than what I was using before and you know just getting them to the point to where they're not scared to open their computer every day and uh you know try to to use it productively so you know there's there's lots of different ways to approach uh, rolling out these kind of programs, but training is uh, is really critical. And if you don't do that, then you're really getting behind the eight ball right off the bat, and you don't want to do that. So
1: yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, I would say that if, you know I do quite a bit of consulting with schools and different. You know, states and countries, and I, I would say that the the most common mistake made is not devoting enough time nor resources to training, and then not bringing in the right kind of experts. In other words, yeah. try to get someone a little cheaper, but they may not have the expertise that you want. So I, I can't emphasize enough the the importance of a continuous scaffolded training for your staff. Yeah.
0: Why do you think it is? Is it is it cost? Is it just people think well? Everybody knows how to use a computer. It can't be that hard. Or what, what do you think uh, is behind that?
1: I think there are several things. I think, one, they become so preoccupied with software and hardware uh, that training is put on the back burner. They recognize they need some of it, but it doesn't receive the same focus that the hardware and software and infrastructure receives. Secondly, by the time they spend all their money on hardware and software and infrastructure, they typically have relatively little left for training. And then thirdly, if you've never done this before, you don't fully appreciate uh, just how difficult this can be to teach with the technology. What happens is too often is that there's a substitutionary um, emphasis, which is not really what the technology should be doing. In other words, if before they were taking notes with legal pads, okay, now they use a note-taking device or a word processor to take their notes in class, and that's what the teacher does – well, but that's not transformative. That doesn't fundamentally change the dynamics of what's happening in that classroom, and the only way you can do that is through providing the training that helps it see, help the teacher see a different way of doing things. Let me give you a, a quick illustration that came up today in our training. Uh, one of the folks I had in this training session in particular teaches both calculus and French, so she's very bright. Uh, she's a go-getter. Uh, she's actually an older teacher, uh, and she's become quite masterful with the technology. But we had the Apple uh, trainer in. And it was doing some training, and it had suggested something about embedding videos for foreign language studies within a Pages document itself. And I saw her chew on that just for a moment, and all of a sudden this big you know, light bulb went on, and she says – I know what I can do in addition to putting the French lessons and stuff in the pages document, and I can record things as a video directly in the document when I give it to my students. But their assignment could be to record a video of text uh, that I have put in this document where they are correctly reading and pronouncing the French as a video embedded in the homework that they send back to me directly in that same document. Yeah, And so she's beginning to understand how transformative it can be, how you could do things differently with the technology that was simply not possible in the past. And that's yeah. why the training becomes so crucial.
0: Right, right. Just um, being able to be aware of how you can utilize the different tools that are available. We've talked about this a number of times that, you know, there's so many tools out there, but if you don't understand what they are or how they can be used – they're just not going to be utilized and be taken advantage of but um yeah kind of covering a lot of the tools and and uh helping turn on the light bulbs for people that are you know that can use them that's that's uh going to be real powerful i think and we've also talked a lot about just the the impact of video itself and how both audio and you know and video but uh how uh, that's just the way things are going on the internet these days and and you know can be applied to education as well there's so much available so much that you can do with it and the trick is uh i guess being able to compress it down to a form that you know many of the teachers can can take advantage of without it being too complicated and um i think we're going to be doing some work along those lines uh here in the near future to be able to to make that happen but um you know there's a lot of people that really get a whole lot more out of uh video and and watching things done and explained as opposed to reading it uh in text so uh these are some great tools to to allow that to be done so that'll be fun to uh see how that that comes about and how we can take advantage of uh the tools we got out there so uh, just kind of sorting through all that's available and figuring out the things that are easiest for our teachers to use that's really what it boils down to uh, to making it succeed i think
1: yeah i I agree and it just has to be consistent because you you may be introduced to something learn something one day but until you're using it on a fairly consistent basis you're going to you're going to lose it and so that's why having sustained training and not these one-shot efforts is so critical for the faculty. Right.
0: And unfortunately, most of them are not like you and me where we like to just grab a hold of anything that comes out new and uh, play with it and, and learn how it works. And, of course, a lot of the teachers don't have the time to do that, even if they wanted to. So, um, you know, they're at a disadvantage from that standpoint. So hopefully we can uh, help out in that uh in that manner and simplify things uh, to where the teachers can really utilize some of this technology uh, in a positive way without getting bogged down by all the details that's
1: right that's right
0: <coughs> all right well um, thank you for that update Barrett that's uh, that's good information and hopefully a lot of uh, educators listening to this will um, be able to get some some good tips out of out of what we're doing here. I was going to uh, share a little bit more about some of the iOS updates, uh the iOS 6 um operating system that was released recently and some of the new uh new capabilities of it. We talked a little bit last time about the the camera and uh, of the iPhone and the the panorama mode and uh I was I was able to take a lot of uh really good panorama pictures over the weekend. We went up to a um an apple orchard on uh, it was called uh, carter mountain it's actually where monticello is there where uh, thomas jefferson's home is and uh, right next to it is this big apple orchard that looks out over the uh, countryside and over charlottesville uh, the town and uh, so there was some really good opportunities to take some some good pictures with my with my new phone and the panorama mode is really uh, really takes some great pictures i was really impressed um so i used that a good bit and you know i think barrett you had asked last time about exactly how that was uh you know it was used and uh, you know we we talked about it needing to be in in portrait mode it doesn't work in landscape mode um but also you know, the default is for you to go from uh, left to right. It's got a little arrow there and shows you how to, uh, you know, twist your camera as you're taking the picture so that it gets the, uh, the panoramic shot. <clears throat> but you can actually change it from left to right to right to left if you wanted to. I don't think that's really, in most cases, going to make a difference in your picture. But uh, all you have to do to do that is just tap on the little arrow that shows up when you're in panorama mode. And uh, if you tap it, it'll switch over from the one mode to the other. So uh, if you like going from right to left as opposed to left to right, you can do that. And uh, that was just one little tidbit that I picked up playing around with, uh, with that function this weekend. But um, You know, Bill, that, that's a good illustration of something, that some things just are not obvious.
1: Uh, And so it's worthwhile just to poke, literally poke around, exactly uh, because you never know what might literally pop up or change as a result of that. So people need to feel free to to
0: experiment a bit. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, stuff that's hidden, whether it's intentional or not. You never know. I mean, you know, we used to call things like that Easter eggs in programming, where if you Mm -hmm. did certain certain uh, uh, keystrokes in combination or uh, you know, went from certain screen to certain screen that it would reveal uh, a little Easter egg, a little surprise that wasn't documented and uh, most people didn't know about. So, um, I, and I think that's one of one of the reasons why kids are so much more adept at using this technology is they're not afraid to poke around. You know, so older mm-hmm. folks tend to think, well, I don't want to do, I don't want to push these buttons if it's gonna you know cause a problem or uh, i don't know what will happen if i do this so i'm not going to do that but kids don't don't think like that so that's i think one reason why they don't have any problem with this technology and can pick it up in a matter of you know minutes or hours as opposed to days or weeks so
1: well and um, part of that might be bill because they didn't pay for it <laughs> so well they're that's not true i'm
0: uh, worried about poking around if something happens exactly yeah uh it's 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 mom and dad's responsibility so they don't have to worry about it, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Exactly.
0: So um that was one thing on the uh, the camera. Um another uh tidbit that I picked up and I'm really starting to use this a lot is uh the reminders application. Do you do you use that much, Barrett? I do, and
1: in combination with Siri, it is excellent. And the other thing, and I won't belabor the point on this podcast, but I use OmniFocus, and I I read an article where you can send a reminder if you set up your reminder correctly uh, to start with. And then thereafter, when you speak to Siri and say set up a reminder to do such and such, it will send it automatically to your OmniFocus project manager and delete it from the reminder list unless you say – add this reminder to xyz lists such as buy groceries at the grocery store on the grocery you know on the on the grocery list uh so it's really very effective and i've i've started using it a lot more often
0: yeah yeah i have too and and you're right in conjunction with several other uh functions it's it's uh, really powerful i mean on the surface it looks like a real simple little application and it is i think one of the benefits of it is it is fairly simplistic but you know, it 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 uh can be very powerful. One thing that I've uh, just learned the last few days is that you can share uh, reminder lists with other people, um, and it's not very obvious how you do it. Uh, you know, the first thing is you got to realize that you can add uh, other lists to your reminders. You know, the reminder list is is what's there by default, but you can add you know, a grocery list or a to-do list or, you know, all kinds of different lists um, in the reminder application and you just uh, swipe between each list to go from one to the other. But the other thing that's kind of an Easter egg-like uh, feature in it is that you can share it with other other people or with your family or your wife or, or whomever. Um, and But the only way you can do it, you can't do it from iOS, you've got to do it from uh, the Mac operating system, uh, OS X, and you know, of course, you've got uh, the Reminders application built into that. And if w- the way you do it is when you uh, go into your Reminders app, and if you have several different lists set up, you can actually see those lists on the left-hand side of your Reminders app, and um, as you move your cursor over each one of the lists over to the right hand side of that list name when your cursor is over that list a little um, icon shows up that kind of looks like waves kind of a uh, waves in a uh, uh, angular uh, pattern and if you click on that when you see it you click on that for that particular list then it pops up a window that you know ask who you want to share it with and that's where you just enter their uh, user id their apple id and then it will send them an email saying so and so wants to share their list with you and you just click on it when you get that email and then it'll connect you up and the next thing you know if you've got two different people sharing the same uh same reminders list so um to me, that's really kind of neat and uh, a great little use of iCloud. It keeps the the list in sync via iCloud immediately. You don't have to do anything, uh, you know, other than then add your your list and add your items to the list, and it automatically shows up on the other person's list. So. I don't know if you were aware of that, Barrett, but um, you may not want to tell your wife about uh, that.
1: Well, that's exactly thinking exactly the same thing. I could just see now getting an invitation to the honeydew list. Yeah, well, I hadn't I hadn't uh, made that
0: list yet. The list that I made was a, a grocery list, so that I can add, you know, ice cream and popsicles and and uh, candy bars and things like that to uh, to that list. So I've got it, um, you know, slanted in my favor right now. But it probably would can come around and and bite me in the butt if I'm not careful but <laughs>
1: <laughs> now bill I don't know if uh, if this is robust or not for this but I had not thought of this before was whether it, you know if you've got subordinates reporting to you or colleagues working on a project or whatever. I, I wonder if it could if you couldn't share a to do list for a particular project. Uh, again, it wouldn't be a project management tool per se, no. uh, but it might be a helpful reminder to keep people generally uh, aligned in terms of what's coming up and to be done. Do you have any thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, I think at a at a high level that would uh, certainly be something that, that could be used and. Um, you know it, it wouldn't have the details it wouldn't have um you know a lot of of uh tracking information that type of thing but i think it's definitely got some some uses um you know just in general terms at a high level and um you know just kind of be creative with it and not rely on it too heavily uh for for really important stuff but um, you
1: well, know. Bill, let me ask you this question. Since we're uh, talking about education anyway as a focus, uh, what if uh, teachers were to create lists for their classes, uh, reminders, and they showed that out to to their students, and they could uh, basically put reminders about homework yeah. or tests coming up.
0: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, I think that uh, is certainly a, a a possibility there. And one of the things that I'm kind of a proponent of is trying to utilize Apple tools that. You know are built in uh, as much as possible you know there's so many add-ons there's so many third party tools that are out there that um, provide additional functionality or capability but in a lot of cases you can use what is built in and you don't have to get way more complicated and that just simplifies uh, support and and what you have to keep up with and and what you utilize you know because you don't want you want to minimize the different places that you're keeping up keeping track of every day as opposed to just having things strewn all over the place. Uh mm-hmm. so that again to me I look at what's built in and what's available straight out of the box first and um you know this is this is one of those uh tools that you could use in a lot of different ways like that. So um yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that we could be creative in in utilizing Uh, The reminders uh, capabilities so on top of that uh, you've got the uh, geofencing that's built into it so that if uh, you know you want to send yourself a reminder when I leave home or when I leave work to go you know run an errand on my way home from work you've got that capability built in with um, the geofencing and then uh, of course you know setting dates and times that it'll notify you if you want to get a little little more um detailed with it and um you know uh, so when you add all that up and then add in the the fact that you can use siri to add uh entries to any of the lists that you have you know it really becomes a, a fairly robust little tool especially from what it seems on the surface uh, uh,
1: you know bill i would agree at the surface you wouldn't realize the power of it but just like most things apple not only is it relatively powerful uh but it's easy to use and it's elegantly designed
0: yeah exactly and that's that's what we need to strive for in a lot of cases to to try to keep things as simple as possible if it if it meets our needs so uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they add a few more bells and whistles to it. I I would expect that we'll see that sharing capability pop up on the iOS devices, um, you know, sooner than later. Uh, but right now, it's just uh, you know available through the uh, through your desktop and. Um, you so, know.
1: Bill. So, so if you set up a share, for example, from. Your desktop version. A person using an iPad would, if if they have accepted the invitation, they open their iPad and reminders on iPad. Is, the, is that reminder list going to show up, or is it only Mac to Mac?
0: No, it, it shows up everywhere. It it will bridge the you know OS X and iOS. So once you've shared it, uh, you know it, it's it's across the devices. The right now the the caveat is that you can only share. Uh, a list from your uh, desktop from OSX, and that's what I was saying. I would expect to see that capability show up in the next version of the iOS or the next releases of, of some of their up, upgrades as people begin to be aware of it and start using it a lot more. So you can actually set up a uh, list in you know on your uh, on your phone or on your iPad. And then, of course, it will show up on your desktop, assuming you're all under the same ID. Uh, so it'll show up. You know, you don't have to create it on your desktop. You can create it on your iPad or your iPhone. And then you just go to your desktop to enable the, the sharing capability. So that's that's how that works. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those little unknown features right now. But I would bet that it's going to. Uh, start to grow in popularity as more people become aware of it. So, um, well, I just
1: created a shared grocery list to, and sent it to my wife, and I put on their chips and cheese for the football games. So perfect. We're perfect. ready
0: to go. That's the way to use it. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Um, I did want to get into uh, some of the new Siri features. We're kind of starting to run a little bit long here, uh, and I might need to. Um, to kind of break this into a, gu- a couple of different parts maybe next time we can get into some of the more details of of siri but um we've mentioned before that uh Siri's capabilities have greatly enhanced been enhanced and enlarged with the new uh ios version and um one thing that that uh, i noticed the what they're referring to is arbitrary relationships are um, understood now from siri so you can go in and um, tell siri who your wife is who your hairdresser is who your barber is who your uh you know any kind of relationships not only family but other relationships that you have and that will be noted in your contacts and um, so you know the way that works is you can uh, after you establish those relationships and Siri understands what they are, then you can just say uh you know call call my barber and set up an appointment for such and such or you know you can refer to uh relationships uh of course we we you could always do it by name, but you can also do it by Uh, profession or some other uh, relationship that you've established there so that's i guess just one little thing to make uh, siri a little bit more personal and um you know it's it's fairly easy to set that up just by talking to siri and you know saying uh katie is my daughter and you know george is my son and uh susie is my wife and that type of thing and it'll get recorded uh you know by siri just by doing that so um that's that's kind of neat and you know you can launch any application just by telling siri to to launch your photos or launch your email or start up um whatever application i don't think it's uh it's from testing it it doesn't look like it's limited to any particular type of applications or they don't have to be just apple apps they can be pretty much any app from from what i've been able to to tell so far have you tried that at all barrett or you? i have yes it, yeah. it's
1: actually very handy uh and i some time ago when i a long time ago actually when i had a windows phone you had the capability of launching the app so i frankly was glad to see apple come out with that capability on siri and so i've been using it quite a bit recently
0: yeah yeah i'm beginning to use it more and more and uh you know, you can, you can post to Twitter and Facebook. I think you probably would um, have to be a little bit careful with that. I don't know if I would trust that a whole lot yet or not, but <laughs> they do have that built in, and, and Siri is aware of your Twitter account and your Facebook account once you get that set up in your settings. So, um, you know, I'm sure the, the younger generation will take full advantage of that, but uh, that's a new feature. And then another thing that I noticed um you can actually shut down the, the Siri interface now just by saying goodbye, Siri. So you don't even have to look at the screen or, uh, tap a button or anything. You can just, uh, tell Siri goodbye and it'll shut down. So, uh, just another one of those little, little, uh, special touches that they've built in to make it a little more personal, I guess. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, make it a little more fun to, to interact with. So, I'm beginning to use it more and more, and find it pretty useful. And uh, the the trick is just uh, learning a lot of the commands and what's uh, what's available, and and how you kind of structure your your interactions with Siri. So we'll uh, we'll look in more detail at that in future podcasts because uh, there's a lot uh, that, that we could discuss about this. Um, I don't want to get too far down in into the weeds of that right now but um i think it'll be kind of fun to to learn more about it and and talk more about it on future podcasts so is there anything uh that you've run across just at a high level barrett that you were uh unaware of or or surprised that siri can do now Well, one
1: that I stumbled upon, but I suspect you're going to cover uh, in a subsequent podcast, and that was uh, out of a whim. I thought I'd just try it and see what would happen, and that's creating a recurring reminder or a recurring event. And so I just tried it, and lo and behold, uh, I had wanted a reminder for every Monday at 2 o'clock. I, I told Siri that and double-checked when I got back to the office, and sure enough, for every Monday, the uh, the task is listed. Yeah. And uh, so it's just some of those sort of things. I will say usability issue, it works great, but uh, I have noticed you do need to have a good cell connection. Uh, if, if for some reason your cell connection is not particularly strong uh, or you're not on Wi-Fi, Siri is not quite as quick to respond or always as accurate as when you have a good connection.
0: Right, right, okay. All right, um, well we will get more into that as uh, as we move along, but uh, it is kind of fun to to utilize right now and um, we'll learn more about that as as we uh, we go. So let's move uh, on into our apps and followings this week. Uh, we like to pick a an app of the week and a Twitter following. so I'm gonna see what Barrett has in store for us this week on his picks.
1: Well, Bill, I have a great pick this time. Uh, One of my few frustrations, but it was a pretty big one moving from Windows to Mac, uh, was Windows management uh, on the Mac. Uh, When I was literally in the Windows operating system, uh, it was pretty easy, especially with Vista and Windows 7, to snap your your various windows you had open to the sides, and it would resize them automatically. And it was just easier to manipulate uh, the open windows for your apps that you had. I found it very tedious, frankly, on the mac uh, and that's still somewhat the case, which is a little bit surprising, given uh, apple's uh, tendency to make things simple, but Nevertheless, I found a superb uh, application called better snap tool that's one word better snap tool. And it is a application windows management program, and you can use some of its defaults, and you can customize uh, the creation of various windows on your desktop at any size and location that you would like. And all you have to do is just drag a window of an open app to that area, and uh, it, will, it will redline it, and you release it, and it snaps it into place. And so I'll take two application windows, snap them to the left and right, and they're perfectly sized in front of me. Uh, or I can make it a quarter size and one of the uh, uh the top 25 let's say the left hand corner of my screen. So it's a great application, it's very simple to use uh, and it makes managing all your open windows much much easier.
0: Yeah, I think that would be great. That's a good a good tip.
1: Uh I would say that uh, my uh, Twitter uh pick this evening would be the cool cat teacher. Again, that's one word. Cool Cat teacher. Uh, She is a teacher. She's an ed tech specialist as well. Uh, She has 42,000 followers, and she's the co-founder of something called Flat Classroom, and she's the author of Flattening Classrooms and Engaging Minds. And uh, I pick up a lot of good tips, just tech tips in general, but she also offers a lot of tech tips specific uh, to the educational uh, realm as well.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. I don't know what you have to do to uh pick up 42,000 followers, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a long way from 42,000.
0: Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> me too. I don't even want to think about uh, how many I've got, but uh <laughs> yeah, obviously she's got a lot of uh good information available through there. So, uh that uh, I imagine is a great uh, a great one to follow if you're not following uh the cool cat teacher already. So, I'll have to check that one out. I was gonna mention uh, uh, an app that I've used for a while now, especially when I'm when I'm traveling, and uh, a lot of the things I'm mentioning tonight kind of revolves around my my past weekend trip. But there's a um, an app called Bookmark, and uh, I kind of stumbled across this. I'm a big audiobooks fan and uh, uh, and other podcasts, and uh, this application will uh read through your audio books and your podcasts and it allows you to easily bookmark places that you might want to refer back to so if you're driving or um you know listening somewhere and you can't make uh make specific notes or notice what uh point in the book it might be uh it's just got one button that you can tap and it'll uh, bookmark that location so you can go back and refer to it uh, later on if you want to. And um, it also gives you the capability of adding a note to that bookmark when you make it if you want to. But of course, if you're driving, you wouldn't want to do that. Um, but that that capability is built in. And it's also got a real easy, uh, what they refer to as a, a time ribbon uh, in the middle of the screen that lets you jump forward or backward by 30 seconds a minute five minutes 15 minutes even up to 30 minutes just by dragging uh the little uh, time ribbon uh bar if you will and it's real easy to to bounce back and forth if you want to if you want to re-listen to something or skip over something so uh, it's real real handy uh and especially um real easy to use uh if you're driving or are not able to really focus on uh on the iphone itself, so um they've also got a uh built in sleep timer i don't know I don't really listen to things when I'm going to sleep, I guess some people do, but um you know it, it has that capability built in if if uh you're one that uh kind of operates like that and likes to go to sleep listening to something but um it's just you know uh, a nice little application uh, for um, working with your audiobooks or podcasts. and um yeah you can you can buy your audiobook in iTunes and go straight to this bookmark application and it'll pick it up right away. You don't have to move anything around or or pull it in or point point it to your uh, audiobook. It knows what you've purchased and what's in your um directory and it'll just show up there for you automatically. So, easy to use, and um, I've been able to um, take advantage of it a good bit and used it uh, a lot while I was traveling this weekend. It was a 10-hour drive up and another 10-hour drive back, so uh, I listened to a lot of stuff while I was was traveling. Uh, and one of the things I listened to was I bought a, uh, a new book uh, by John C. Maxwell. Um, Barrett, have you... Do you you're probably familiar with him and uh he's been around a long time a uh, uh, author and speaker on leadership <clears throat> his uh twitter uh bio says he's uh, a christian a blogger a trainer a coach but uh, he's got a lot of great insights a lot of great uh uh tips and and uh leadership skill information so his new book is called um the 15 invaluable laws of growth, and uh, it's you know it, it's it's real good. I, I would recommend it. I haven't gotten all the way through it yet, but um, just a lot of uh, good, basic, solid uh, you know ideas, and and uh, focusing on the the concept of you know we need to continually grow, and whatever place we are, we can always learn a lot more uh, than. Than what we know and grow as a person as an individual as a as a leader in our uh, you know society and on our uh careers our um uh, the places we we move and operate every day so um i would recommend that book and recommend uh john c maxwell as uh, somebody to follow on twitter if you don't follow him already so have you read much of his stuff barrett
1: Yes, I've read a number of his books, and he he is a good author and provides a lot of useful insights.
0: Yeah, I figured you'd be pretty familiar with him. So um, anyway, hopefully that's uh, helpful to some of you guys out there. And um, we are uh, it's time to wrap up for this week. We appreciate you uh, tuning in. And, again, if uh, you uh, uh, would recommend us to some of your friends, some of your uh acquaintances so we'd love to pick them up and have them join our podcast and uh, again we thank you for listening in today and we will uh, catch you next podcast. Thanks for joining.